Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We choose to love you, Lord. We choose to worship you, praise you, and give you all, all of our lives, all of our heart, all of our choices. We choose to follow you and your will in our lives, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Glory to God. Well, you know, uh, these uh, set of meetings that we've been having over uh, since Thursday night, starting with the graduation, uh, largely we have uh, determined to have the meetings as simple and as uncluttered as they can, could be. We haven't been making announcements. We haven't been doing offerings all the time. I firmly believe that if, if giving is in your heart and the Word of God has changed your heart, then giving becomes a practice and it becomes something that you determine in your heart. But this is a Sunday morning and it's time for us to take up an offering. And the Word of God has been working in our heart and we need to obey the Word of God on this too. Amen. Amen. Underscore. <laughs> So uh, if the ushers are ready, then we can just uh, take up an offering, please. Praise the Lord. Well, while we're taking up the offering, let's, uh, let's review what's happening. God is working. God has been working uh, in our ministry for some time now. And what's happening with Brother Jerry coming here and the team that has come with him for this time, it's, it's God's afterburners. He's giving us a thrust. He's giving us a, an injection of fuel and extra thrust of what God is doing here and where he's taking us. Because sometimes God needs to have the apostolic figure that God has given us to come speak a word. Because it, we know, I mean, we, we declare the word all the time. Every year, Brother Jerry brings a word, we, we declare it. We speak it, we do everything we need to do to make sure that it's part of our ministry and part of our lives. Amen. And so we accept what role he plays in our lives. I'm grateful that this year he's here in the beginning of the year so that he can bring this uh, himself to us. Even though we know the headlines, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that God has brought him to us so that we, he, can, he can not just bring us a word, but he can bring us the spirit of God that's resting upon him. And we can respond in kind with the spirit that's in us. And together we bring this great unity and this great thrust that God is doing in the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Without, without this order of God, without the order of God, uh, you cannot achieve the fullness of God without this structural order of God. God has always walked, worked with this order. From the beginning, he said, the apostle said, we will pray and give ourselves to the word 
And then he, they appointed people to work on tables because the ministry requires both. It right. requires the order of God to make the work, the, the work of God work. And so we're grateful to have Brother Jerry here. We declare that the offering that you have put in today, that it brings back the harvest that you are believing God for. There is not one cent that you put into the offering that is not sacred and blessed and holy to the Lord Jesus. And we receive it and we take it and we, we are responsible with your tithes and with your offerings and what you give to the Lord. We don't waste money. We are very careful in what we do and how we spend money. Hallelujah. Our, our job is to steward it and your job is to release it. Because here men receive tithes, but there he in heaven receives them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So our giving is blessed. Our giving is blessed. If you want to sow extra, we'll take up another offering tonight. And then that'll be up to you what you want to sow extra. But God has blessed this ministry and we are blessed in everything that we do. Amen. Well, I don't want to take up more time. Our apostle is in the house, and I want to give him as much time. We give him as much time as he wants to take, and the Holy Spirit wants to give him today. Amen. Brother Jerry, please, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Everybody rest well last night. Well, I was up all night. My goodness, after a service like last night, it's hard to go to sleep. But eventually, he gave his beloved sleep. Amen. And uh, I am ready and excited about what God has in store for us today. Amen. Every day with Jesus is a wonderful day. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles first of all this morning to the book of Joel, chapter 2. Joel, chapter 2. I had this on my mind last night when I got back to our where we're staying. And uh, it took me a while just getting out from under the residue of the glory that we were experiencing last night. Then when I kind of settled down a little bit, uh, just began to listen to the Lord, and he led me to the book of Joel, and he said something to me. In every generation, God desires to raise up an army of young people that are passionate about God. In the book of Joel, he reveals this, and he says in verse 28, And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Notice it mentions young people twice in that verse. They will have visions. They'll prophesy. I like to say it like this, the way the Holy Spirit said it to me. I desire to have influence in young people's lives by inspiring them to prophesy, to speak in my behalf, 
and giving them visions of things to come. I remember in 1969 when I surrendered my life to the Lord, there was a, a young evangelist who came from Canada. His name was Brian Rudd. And uh, just before I had surrendered my life, he, he came to the church that Carolyn grew up in. And I had an automotive business in those days. And Carolyn was asking me to come and hear this man. He was different. And uh, she would come home telling me that. She said, Jerry, I've never seen any, anybody like him. He doesn't dress like preachers. He doesn't talk like preachers. He doesn't have the background of preachers that I have grown up under. He had been a drug addict, a drug dealer. He was in prison in Canada and, and met the Lord in prison. And God supernaturally got him out of prison and he became an evangelist, began traveling not only Canada but all over North America. So he came to Shreveport where Carol and I grew up <clears throat> and came to her church. Her pastor was Jack Moore. Jack Moore was very well known in, in uh, uh, Pentecostal circles. In fact, many of you have probably heard the name William Brennan. William Brennan was Jack Moore's best friend. Jack Moore traveled with William Brennan and uh, along with Gordon Lindsay. They all three were best friends. And if you ever see a picture of William Brennan, usually in that picture is Jack Moore and Gordon Lindsay, and then one tall uh, American, uh, Native American man. His name was Young Brown, and that was my wife's uncle. And he traveled with William Brennan. And uh, Carolyn grew up under those ministries. All the great healing evangelists back in that day, they all came to, to Life Tabernacle in Shreveport. Jack Moore knew them all. And when they heard about this Brian Rudd and the impact that he was having on young people, they invited him to come. And he was there for several nights. And then finally, Carolyn asked me to come. And I really didn't want to. But she kept asking me to come. And so finally one night I, I went with her. Now I owned an automotive business. And back in those days I wasn't, I wasn't living for God. It wasn't that I didn't believe in God. I can't remember a day that I didn't believe in God. I mean I was raised in a Christian home. But it's one thing to believe in God. It's something else to make Jesus Lord of your life. Yeah. Amen. So I was fully aware that God existed. I'd had experiences with God as a young boy. And, uh, but I'd never surrendered my life to the Lord. And so I went that night. And, of course, back in those days, I was smoking. And uh, I had my Winston cigarettes in my pocket when we went to church. And Carolyn said, please don't take those in the church. I said, why not? She said, I don't want those people knowing my husband smokes. I said, Carolyn, I don't care what these people think. And I really didn't. I didn't care what they thought. And uh, I said, well, nothing's going to change. I mean, I'm, I smoke now. I'll smoke when I get out of the service. She said, well, just don't take the cigarettes in, in the church. So I took them out of my pocket and laid them on the dash of my car. 
<clears throat> went in the service there, and she was right. I'd never seen anything like him. He came out there. He had a, a blonde afro. I mean, it was out to here. Had on these white bell-bottom hip-hugger slacks and his wild lavender shirt and a cowbell hanging around his neck. I said, you finally told the truth. I've never seen a preacher like this. You know? <clears throat> and so he began giving his testimony. And that night, I mean, during his testimony, the church, he had a way of drawing young people. They, they gravitated toward him. And many of them came that night that I knew and had gone to high school with. And they had become, many of them, drug addicts, living a hippie lifestyle. And, but this man drew them. And, and I saw some of them that I knew get up and go forward and surrender their life to the Lord. And he prayed for them, and they got delivered of drugs. And uh, so before he finished preaching, he just stopped and walked off the platform and pointed in my direction and said, you, young man, stand up. God's going to deliver you of smoking tonight. I turned to my wife with this sarcastic look. I said, that's why you wanted me to come. You've been telling him about me. She said, I've never met the man. I haven't told him a thing about you. I said, well, how would he know that? She said, God told him. I said, God talks to him about me? The man said, get out in the aisle, young man. So I got out in the aisle, not really wanting to. And he said, what kind of cigarettes do you smoke? I said, Winston's. He said, Did you, do you have them on you? I said, no, she made me leave them in the car. <laughs> now, can you believe I was that ugly? <laughs> I mean, look at me now, the sweet young man I am, you know? Oh, but back then, <clears throat> back then. So anyway, he said, well, does anybody in here smoke Winston's? About 25 hands went up. Did anybody bring a pack of Winston's? About 15 hands went up. And she's concerned about what these people will think about me. And he said, does anybody have a fresh pack that's never been opened? One man lifted his head. Bring them here. So he brought them up there. and Brian told me to tear the wrapper off, put them in my hands, and break them in half, throw them on the floor, stomp on them, and say out loud, I will never smoke again. I didn't want to say that. I fully intended to smoke as soon as I got out of that service. You know, I smoked. I mean, I, my dad, I never remember my dad working on a car didn't have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. I thought it was part of the trade. How can you repair a car without a cigarette hanging out of your mouth? So in my tool chest, in the top left-hand drawer, I kept all my cigarettes. Was, uh, you know, never, never ran dry. And so I'd go to the shop, light up a cigarette, work on a card, get through with that one, light up another, smoke all day, you know. Now, I never smoked at home. 
and I didn't smoke around Carolyn. She hated it. And uh, so anyway, I was, uh, you know, thinking of her, so I didn't smoke at home. But when he said, throw them on the floor, stomp on them, and say, I'll never smoke again, I really didn't want to do that. But I did. And the reason I did is simply because of this. <clears throat> I'd been taught as a young boy that if you disobeyed God, he's liable to strike you with lightning. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that? I thought, man, I'm standing in front of all these people in church. And the preacher said, stomp on them and say, I'll never smoke again. If I didn't do that, God would strike me dead before I got out of the building. And that's the only reason I did what I did. I put them on the floor, stomped on them, and said, I'll never smoke again. And he said, you're delivered from smoking. Well, I didn't feel any different, you know. And then he turned around to go back to the, uh, the uh, platform. I mean, he turned back around before I could be seated. He said, hey, wait a minute. You're called to preach. I looked at Carolyn again. <laughs> you tell him I was called to preach. No, I don't know the man. Never talked to him. I said, well, how would he know that? God told him. Why would God talk to him about me? Oh, I was madder than a wet hen. And so, uh, <laughs> that's a good Texas phrase, okay. <laughs> and he said, wait a minute, you're called to preach. Come back up here. He laid his hands on me, and he started to the platform again, and then he turned around one more time and said, young man, you were worth my entire trip to North America, to the United States. I was here for you. And then he went back and kept preaching. And when he got through preaching, the altar was filled with young people, and many of whom, as I said, I knew, I went to school with. And so... Went home that night, got up the next morning, go to the, my shop. Cigarettes are still on the dash of the car. Well, I wanted one bad. And once again, I thought, man, if I like that thing, God will kill me before I get to the shop. <laughs> and uh, got to the shop. And a man that worked for me, who had worked for my dad when I was a kid, he was a painter. His name was R.L. Diggs. He was a black gentleman. And I'd, I'd known him since I was a little boy. He was like part of our family. And R.L. smoked, but he never had cigarettes. He bummed cigarettes off my dad all of my dad's life. And when I got older, he bummed cigarettes off me. And he'd come in the shop and he'd, he'd, call, me, he'd call me Bubba, Mr. Bubba. Because my dad called me Bubba. And he said, Mr. Bubba, you got a cigarette? I said, R.L., you know I got a cigarette. He said, can I borrow one? I'll pay you back. He told my dad that for 40 years. <laughs> I said, you know where they are. And so he went over there and got those cigarettes, you know. But that morning, that morning, the night after I got prayed for, Ariel comes in the shop with a box this big full of cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> Mr. Bubba, I come to pay you back. <laughs> Isn't that just like the devil? I mean, you know, trying to tempt me. I said, Arnold, where'd you get all those cigarettes? He said, they fell off a truck. I said, yeah, right. 
He said, but I'm, I come to pay you back and your daddy back. I said, well, R.L., I don't smoke anymore. I couldn't believe I said that. I said, R.L., I don't smoke anymore. What? I said, no, I got delivered last night. Amen. And I never smoked again, praise God. Never, never, never even desired it. In fact, I don't even like to be around yes. cigarette smoke. Amen. It's detesting to me, you know. And, uh, but anyway, that's the impact that this man had on my life. We had uh, a rock and roll station in Shreveport that began in about 1954. And all of us young people listened to it because it's the only rock and roll station we had. And everybody listened to it, especially the young people. Brian Rudd had such an impact in our city that this radio station was a secular station. Ask him to come to the studio and preach live on the radio and invited all the young people that wanted to gather up around the studio to come. The parking lot was packed with cars and they turned their radios on and hear Brian Rudd preach. And then he'd come out of the studio out in the parking lot and get all these young people delivered from drugs and get them, you know, as he would say, turned on to Jesus, you know. It was amazing, amazing. Now, I've noticed that in every generation where there's a major move of God, many times it affects the young people first. And the reason being is because older people get stuck in their ways. Okay? Now, I surrendered my life to the ministry. I'd never done drugs in my life. I didn't know one drug from another. I was never attracted to that, you know? And the next thing I know, God has thrust me into a ministry with young people and particularly drug addicts. And my ministry started in the streets of Shreveport, Louisiana, not in a church. No church wanted me. I was too radical. And uh, I, was, I was going against the grain, religious grain, okay? So I started my ministry in the streets, ministering to alcoholics, drug addicts, prostitutes, going to the jails and preaching, going to the prisons and preaching, having miracles everywhere I went. It was amazing. And then churches started inviting me to come and, and teach their young people how to become soul winners. So I'd go to churches. And some of those churches might have 15, 20 young people. And in less than a week's time, we'd have 80 young people. We'd win them in the streets and bring them to the church. The only problem was I'd bring all these, you know, fresh bodies, so to speak, into the church, and the church didn't want them. They didn't smell good. They didn't look nice. They didn't talk like religious people talk. And they didn't want them. And that, that great move began to subside. Sharon was talking to me this morning about vision she had, a word from the Lord she had about the young people. And it had an impact in here last night with young people. That's the fulfillment of the book of Joel. Amen. Now, notice he said, and it should come to pass afterwards in the last days. The last days actually begin on the day of Pentecost. When those 120 
got filled with the Holy Ghost, and Peter stood up and said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke. So the day of Pentecost introduced the beginning of the last days. Now, we've had a long time pass since the day of Pentecost. So we are no longer in the beginning of the last days. We're in the last of the last days. And in the last of the last days, one of the major signs that will take place in planet Earth is there is going to be a move among young people like we have never seen before. Never seen before. Hallelujah. So with that in mind, my instructions from the Lord last night, and I didn't know that Sharon and I would get into this conversation this morning, but my instructions from the Lord, and I wasn't in here at the last of that meeting. I was told about what happened, you know, after I uh, went back to the back room. But my instruction from the Lord was this. He said, I want you to call up all the young people, lay hands on them, and believe. Let me say it this way. Years ago, I was in Toronto, and I went for one night, never met the pastor there, never been in that church before, and I'm flying up there, and I was supposed to be in Toronto one night, the next night I was to be in Riverside, California, and the next night someplace else out in California. On the way up there, the Lord said, would you be willing to stay here as long as I want you to? I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. He said, would you stay as long as I tell you to? I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. I said, however, you know that I'm supposed to be at Riverside tomorrow night. He said, yes. I said, well, pastors don't like you canceling meetings one day in advance. And I'm supposed to be in another church the next night. And if I stay as long as you want me to stay, uh, these pastors are going to be mad at me. Now, if you can take care of that, I'll stay as long as you want to stay. I got to Toronto, got in my room, telephone rang, and as a pastor, I was supposed to be with the next night, Riverside. He said, Brother Jerry, I was praying today, and God told me to release you from your commitment that he had other plans for you, and he said, you just come when your schedule will allow. I said, thank you, sir. Got off the phone with him, phone rang again, it's the next pastor. God dealt with every pastor that I was supposed to be at so that it could clear my schedule. I went to that meeting that night, walked up the steps of that church. Pastor met me out on the, on the front step, and the first words were, Brother Jerry, I have a question for you. Would you stay here as long as God would ask you? I said, well, sir, I've already answered that. God talked to me about that. Flying up here. He said, wonderful. Then how long will you stay? I said, until the Lord tells me to leave. How else can you schedule something like that? You know? He said, can I tell the people? I said, well, let's just go in there and uh, just see what the Lord will do. See if the Lord is in this. And then we'll tell the people. Well, man, we had a move of God that night. I'm telling you, it's a move of God. And, and I turned around to the pastor and I said, tell him. He said, Brother Jerry has agreed to stay here for as long as God wants him to stay. I stayed 21 nights, and no two services were alike. 
I'd never been in anything quite like it up to that point. I've been in some things since then that superseded that, but I'd never been in anything like it at that time and at that point. It was amazing. And one of the things that happened in that meeting, it, uh, it impacted the young people. One night uh, I was praying, or one afternoon I was praying, and the Lord said, I'm going to move on the young people tonight. So when you go in the service, all I want you to say is, young people get ready. God's going to come on you tonight. And the moment I said that, I mean, the power of God hit the young people, and I just stood back with my arms folded like this. They went around the place praying for people, people getting healed, people falling out on the power. The young people, I mean, they were beside themselves. And I just stood there the whole night and watched. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. The next night, I, 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 the next afternoon, I heard the Lord say this. He showed it to me in the Spirit. He said, tonight, people are going to get so drunk in the Holy Ghost, many of them will have to be carried to their cars. And when you won't even be able to leave, they'll just sit in their cars drunk in the Holy Ghost until it lifts. Little did I know I'd be the first one they carried out. I got so drunk in the Holy Ghost, knocked me out. And the next thing I knew, I was at the apartment we were staying in, and I don't know how I got there, you know. It was, it was an amazing thing. 21 nights. And the Lord said, now go home and rest. I went home, and in about a week, he said, go back. So I went back and stayed another, what was it, Job? 12, 15 days, something like that. And then he said, go home and rest. And, and when I went back after those first 21 nights, it was like no time had passed. We just took up where we left off. No two services alike. And uh, so I stayed another 10 or 12 nights. The Lord said, go home and rest. I went home and rest. He said, go back. I went back and spent another nine nights. And we just took up where we left off. But it had such an impact on the young people. Amen. Had a, a tremendous impact on the young people. And then when I finally went home about a month later, the Toronto blessing broke out. And many of you heard about that or aware of that. And I mean, it was a move of God that lasted for a long time. Every time there is a major move of God, somebody tries to control it. I'm talking religious people. And it just begins to subside. I told Pastor John, was it last night or this morning, talking about the impact that had in here last night with many of the young people. Make them feel welcome. I was told one time, put up and tolerate with a little wildfire because it's easier to deal with wildfire than it is dead. Some churches are dead. Amen. You know, these young people, a lot of them, they, they, just, they just yield to God. And you don't, you don't know what they'll do next. Turn flips. <laughs> do push-ups <laughs> in church. <laughs> On stage in front of everybody. Feel like a nut. You know. Don't, don't try to control it. Don't try to confine it. God knows how to deal with young people. 
He knows how to deal with wildfire. Amen. So with that in mind, I want all the young people, and I say young people, if you consider yourself a young people, <laughs> come up here real quick. Sure. It may take a couple of lines there to, to give me some space between them. Pull them, pull them. Bring them up here as close as you can so we can put another line behind them. Okay. Hallelujah. I commend you, young men and women, who are being passionate about God. This is what it's going to take in our generation to change the conditions of our generation. Amen. All right, they're still coming. Don't you love it when we have church that is not the usual? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. All right, I want all of you to lift your hands and say this with me. In the name of Jesus, I submit myself to God to be used by Him in any way that He desires. I desire to be everything He wants me to be. I want to be His vessel to affect my generation. And according to the book of Joel, I fit in the category of young men and women. And I receive what the prophet Joel said by utterance of the Holy Spirit. That I will prophesy. That I will have visions. That I will be influenced by God. And in the name of Jesus... Today, when hands are laid upon me, I believe something very significant is going to take place in my life, and that I will never be the same, and I give God praise for it now. So let's just go ahead and praise Him, hallelujah. Just go ahead and praise Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, don't stop. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Come on, continue to praise Him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
in the name of Jesus. Come on, continue to praise him. In the name of Jesus. Come on, rest of the audience, help them praise God. Help them praise God. In the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name. In the name. In the name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's continue to praise him. Continue to praise him. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The book of Joel in fulfillment in your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Prophesy right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hey. Who needs healing in their body? Raise your hand. Right there. Go lay your hands on her. Healing power is in your hands right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for influencing all of these young people all the days of their lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at all the young people. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Are there any old people in this church? In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, oh, I thank you for your influence in their lives, that they may influence others. In the name of Jesus, thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. You know. <laughs> You know, the hand of the Lord is on you, young lady, and you too, and you too. Glory to God. I love you. Praise God. You going to serve him all the days of your life? Let him use you? Okay, I'm counting on you. He's counting on you. Amen. Hey, young man, what's your name? You're a good-looking young man. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. For your anointing on this young man. In Jesus' name.
seems like to me we've quit praising God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your influence in their lives that they might influence others in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Thank you, Father, for your influence in their lives. May they be used mightily of you in this generation. Thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, all of these young people, special to God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did I miss any of these up here? Thank you, Father, for your influence in their lives. May they prophesy. May they have visions that will impact and, and, and touch in a powerful way those in whom they come in contact with. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Never, ever to be the same. In the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for godly parents that, that can train these young people to be servants of the Most High God. Amen. Hallelujah. God, God's proud of you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your influence in their lives that they might influence others. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Well, you've asked, and God's telling you again, no, I'm not done with you. No, you haven't disappointed me. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Come on, let's give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Where do we start? Okay. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father, for all these wonderful young people and the impact that they're going to have on their generation. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. Oh. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, use these young people for your glory. May they impact their generation. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. 
Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How you doing, young man? In the name of Jesus. Use them for your glory, Father. Use them for your glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hey, thank you, Father. Come on, let's give the Lord a great shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up. Give the Lord a great shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I don't know if I can control this. My Cherokee heritage is about to come on me. Hallelujah. start church. Glory, glory, glory. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. All right. I think you can be seated. Glory to God. Flying here a few days ago, uh, from the beginning of our trip, one of our stops when we were uh, in our own aircraft was Cairo, Egypt. And we were to spend the night there and then come on to Nairobi from there and from Nairobi to here. And uh, that night while I was in my room, I received some revelation in fact, I told the guys, uh, Eric, who was traveling with us, my pilots, I said, uh, when I got back to the room after dinner, I said, man, the presence of the Lord was in my room. And it just engulfed me. I thought, isn't this something? Moses had an experience in Egypt, and now I've had an experience in Egypt. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it wasn't in a burning bush. It was in a hot hotel. Glory to <laughs> God. And, uh, and the Lord began to talk to me about this prophetic word for 2023 about living in the maximum and the highest level attainable. And he said, son, that was my plan from the very beginning, that man would live in the realm of the maximum and experience the highest level attainable. That was my plan then, and it's never changed. It's my plan now. So going back to the book of Genesis, open your Bibles, if you will, 
to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I want to make a few statements. God's original intention for how man should live was the abundant life. The abundant life. Man was created to enjoy abundance. Man was created to enjoy the goodness of God all the days of his life. That's why God blessed man. One of the first things God did after giving him dominion and authority, he blessed him, which means he empowered him to prosper. Why would God empower someone to prosper if it was not his intention to live the abundant life, to live the maximum or live in the maximum and the highest level attainable? That's why, once again, he bestowed his blessing on man so that he would be empowered to prosper to the point that he lacked or wanted nothing. What a way to live. Lack or want nothing. God provided everything that man needed. God provided it in such a way that success was guaranteed. God wanted man to reflect his nature and, or his likeness, and to reflect, I'm sorry, he wanted man to reflect his likeness and to manifest his nature. And the nature of God is abundance. Somebody said, no, the nature of God is miraculous. Well, God does miracles for sure. But that's not his nature. His nature is abundance. Miracles only happen when there's lack. Amen? So God's nature is abundance, and that's what he wanted man to reflect in the earth. His nature, his likeness, live in abundance. You do know that God's doing okay. Okay. It didn't say in my father's house are many shacks. I go to repair one for thee. It says in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare one for thee. How many of you have a gate out front carved out of one pearl? Go read about the throne room. Somebody said, God loves poverty. Well, if he loves poverty so much, why don't he live that way? Set the example. Come on. Come on. Amen. Yeah. No, that's, that's religious. Yeah. Good word, sir. Let me put it to you. Stinking thinking. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God is the, is the author of abundance. It was only when man disobeyed him and committed high treason is when man forfeited the kind of lifestyle that God originally intended for him to live. Now, later, we find that God blessed Noah. And even though the, the ability to prosper was on Noah, it was limited because sin had come into the earth through Adam's transgression. And the word sin in its literal form means to miss the mark. So when sin came, because of Adam and Eve, being able to live the maximum lifestyle and the abundant life, man forfeited that privilege through sin, and it caused him to miss the mark. And the mark was maximum, abundance. But God had a plan. 
Satan will never get the upper hand on God. He had a plan in the making. And so he went to Noah and blessed him. And uh, uh, obviously, even though the man was blessed, he still was limited in being able to live the kind of life that God wanted Adam to live and what he wanted man to live. Then he introduced himself to a man by the name of Abram. The first thing he did to him was bless him. I bless thee. Thou shalt be a blessing. Once again, he empowered Abraham to prosper. And we have evidence that it worked because he tells him in Genesis chapter 12, I will bless thee. One chapter later, Genesis chapter 13, it says, and Abram was rich in cattle. He was rich in gold and silver. The Lord had blessed him. But even Abraham lived limited because the price had not been paid for man's transgression yet. And then God raised up Moses, and through Moses came the law. And it was God's demonstrating his desire to bring man back into the place where Adam had once lived and to have that lifestyle restored to man. So he instituted the law. But no one could meet all the law's requirements and all the law's demands. But it did provide for them a limited way or a glimpse of that lifestyle that God had originally intended for man to live. Deuteronomy chapter 28, we find what is commonly referred to as the blessings of the covenant. In the first 14 verses, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Everything you set your hands to do, uh, prosper. Uh, if the enemy comes against you one way, God will cause him to flee several ways. All these wonderful blessings, even though they were available, but most uh, the, the people could not meet all the requirements of the law. So even though they were available, the people were still limited, but it was just God's way of showing uh, I'm working on something, Amen. okay? He was working on something. And then, of course, we understand that in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus. Yes. And Jesus said that his primary reason for coming was to destroy the works of the devil and to provide, remember John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and have it abundantly. In the New Testament, the Amplified, it says, I have come that they might not only have life, but enjoy life to the fullest. What is he saying? I have come to get back for you the kind of life that Adam forfeited. And that life was the abundant life. That life was the maximum life. That life was the highest level attainable. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. God always had man on his mind. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 8, 4, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that thou art mindful of him? In other words, why do you still love man after how he failed you? Why would you even uh, have him on your mind? The message translation says, why do you even bother? Why do you even give a second look to man? 
He did so because his mercy endures forever. He did so because his love is everlasting. Amen? He didn't want man for generations to come to not enjoy the kind of life that he originally had planned for man to live. And through Jesus, that kind of living was restored. You and I have the ability through Christ to live what he called the abundant life. Amen. How many of you are living the abundant life? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you like to live the abundant life? Amen. Well, it's now available. It's now available. Jesus redeemed us. And the word redeem means purchased back. He took us out of the hands of Satan. He took us out of uh, the, the spirit of darkness. He took us out of the control of an evil adversary. And he provided the ability to be born again, born of God, just like Adam was. Amen. Amen. And to restore unto us the kind of life that God originally intended for Adam and Eve to live. We can live that life again, praise God. We can live that life again. And it's all because of the mercy of God that never fails, endures forever, and his love is everlasting. So Jesus provided once again that abundant life, that life in the maximum realm. So, how do we, first of all, understand we, we receive Christ and we're born again? That's just the starting point. But how do we enter into that, that life that Adam forfeited? The same way that God said in the very beginning. Go with me, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over all the cattle and over all the earth and over every creepeth thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. Now this is, this is Genesis means the beginning. This is the beginning. This, this is what God had on his mind from the very beginning when he created man, when he created him from the dust of the earth and breathed life into him. He intended for man to have his life sustained by giving him dominion and authority, by blessing him, empowering him to prosper, and, and most people don't see this part, I was sitting in Bournemouth, England with Brother Copeland. We, we were doing a believers convention there, I believe in 1992. And Brother Copeland opened the meeting that first night and he was preaching and, it, and he wasn't preaching on what the Lord just said to me. And, and usually, uh, you know, I'm so focused on what Brother Copeland is preaching, but the Lord said to me, when I created man, what were the first three gifts I gave him? Well, I immediately responded, not, not audibly or out loud, just spirit to spirit. 
I said, well, the first gift you gave man was dominion and authority. The second gift you gave man was the blessing. He said, what was number three? Well, I'd really never thought of it in terms of first three gifts. I said, well, I don't know, Lord. He said, well, where did you find the first two? I said, in Genesis chapter one. He said, if you keep reading, do you think you might find the third one? <laughs> Isn't God smart? That might be the greatest revelation you ever get. God is smarter than you. Okay. And uh, he said, keep reading. So I did. Now, remember, we just read God gave him dominion and authority. The second thing he gave him was the blessing, the empowerment to prosper. And then in verse 29, and God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed. That's the third gift God gave man. First of all, dominion and authority, the blessing, and seed. Say this with me. Dominion and authority, authority. the blessing, blessing. and and seed. And remember, at the close of verse 29, it says, it shall be to you for meat. There are some other translations that says provision. In other words, God gave man seed for provision. Or you could say it like this that he might have his life sustained through the seeds that he sows. See, you and I determine our own destiny by the seeds we sow. Let me try this out of the auditorium. You and I determine our own destiny through the seeds that we sow. That's the reason God gave man seed from the very beginning. And every seed produces after its own kind. That's the law of Genesis. You plant cotton, you get cotton. You plant corn, you get corn. You plant apples, you get apples. You don't plant oranges and you get strawberries. No, every seed produces after its own kind. Amen. You plant finances, you get finances. That's right. Amen. And in the book of, in the, in the, in the New Testament, uh, particularly in 2 Corinthians, Paul and Galatians, Paul considers and talks about finances, money as being seed. Yes, he does. Amen. Amen. So these are the three things that God gave man so that he could live the abundant life and he could enter into the realm of the maximum, the highest level attainable. Now, let me read this scripture to you before we go any further. Let me find it real quick. In, uh, uh, let's see, in Psalm 3311, from the message translation, it says, God's designs are made to last. God's designs are made to last. God is a God of patterns. There is a, there is a law uh, in Bible interpretation that's called the law of first mention, which simply means when you find it mentioned for the first time, because God is a God of parent, uh, patterns, you will see it carried through throughout. Okay? So the psalmist says that God's ways and God's plans and purposes, they were designed to last. So you could say this. It wasn't God's fault that man forfeited the abundant life. It was man's fault. 
because God's plans are perfect. Amen? His purposes, his counsel is perfect. Now, what we need to do is if we find the promise of God and we assume the position of standing on that promise and it doesn't come to pass, then we are never to question God's ways. In the book of Haggai, when you don't see something God said coming to pass, then here's what he says to you. Consider your ways. Now, once again, I know we don't want it to be our fault, but if God's promises are not being fulfilled in your life, it's never his fault. Settle that once and for all. It's not God's fault. It's your ways that, that are preventing him from doing what he desires to do. Okay? So, once again, if we desire, and I desire, and I trust you do, I, if we desire to live in the maximum realm and the highest level attainable, then it only stands to reason, go back to God's original way for making it happen. And what was that way? Dominion and authority, the blessing and seed. Dominion and authority, the blessing and seed. Hallelujah. I've already preached myself happy. How about you? Now, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit, and we're going to continue with it tonight in the, in the closing service. Um, I wrote in my notes in Cairo, Egypt, hallelujah. I always put the date that God speaks to me and where I was when he said it. Through having the blessing on man's life, God gave him the ability or the empowerment to prosper and to increase, to excel and to rise above what would hold everybody else down. That's what the blessing is designed to do. It, it was designed to enable man to have no limits. Okay? The blessing would enable him to reach the highest level attainable in life. And along with the blessing, man was given dominion and authority which gave him the assurance that nothing could hold him back. Nothing. When you have dominion and authority over everything God said you had dominion and authority over, then that dominion and authority was designed by God to prevent you from being held back so that you could enjoy the abundant life, the glorious life, the good life, the maximum. Hallelujah. And with seed to sow, you could determine your own destiny. The Bible says in Galatians, or Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, that after God had created all these things that he created in, in, in the first chapter of Genesis, it said God saw everything that he had made and it was good. It was good. I preached a message a number of years ago in Miami, Florida, in Pastor Stan Moore's church, and I know this is not good English, but it's the way the Lord told me to say it. If it ain't good, it ain't God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now that's, that's poor English. And the first time, uh, <laughs> the first time Brother Roberts 
darling wife, Evelyn, heard me say it. She was a former school teacher. And she walked right up to me and said, Jerry, you're more educated than what you're letting on. Now, don't say ain't. It's not proper. <laughs> Brother Robert smiled. He said, now she's got you to pick on. <laughs> and Richard said, hey, she started picking on me before she ever met you. you know? So she'd make sure you'd say proper English. Okay. But anyway, if, if, if it's not good, then God's not behind it. Because he's the author of good. Yes, Amen. And once again, it says, God saw everything that he had made, and it was good. The Amplified says, and he approved it completely. I like that. He approved it completely. So when he made man, and he bestowed on him those three gifts, he approved it completely. In other words, he could stand back and say, man can now live the way I designed for him to live because he's got all the tools that are necessary, dominion and authority, the blessing, and seed. Hallelujah. I think we ought to lift our hands and just bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. He approved it completely. Everything was in place so that man could live life in the realm of the maximum. The maximum literally means the greatest level the greatest degree, the utmost, and the best possible. That's what the maximum means. Hallelujah. To the greatest degree or level, the utmost, the best possible. That's the kind of life God designed for man to live in the beginning. Man forfeited it. Jesus got it back, and we can live it today. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good shout if you appreciate it. Amen. So everything was in order for man to live this kind of life that Paul talked about as the glorious life, the good life, the maximum life. Life would be perfect if only man would obey. That's all he had to do was obey. And, and, and the instructions God gave him were very simple. You know, you can eat of every tree, fruit of the tree of the garden, except this one tree. Don't eat of it. Now, how hard is that? And then a lot of Christians think that when Eve was uh, beguiled or deceived by the serpent, that Adam was off somewhere in the garden naming bugs or something. <laughs> no, he was standing right there with her, the Bible says. He was standing right there with her. He could have stopped it. How? With the dominion and authority that God had given him. He could have walked right up to that serpent and said, how dare you? You have no authority here. We have the authority. We have dominion. I take authority over you now. And he could have stopped that. But the Bible says, Eve did eat and turned to her husband with her. He wasn't off in the garden somewhere turned to her husband with her, and he did eat. Amen. But it could have been stopped. In fact, we could have been living all this time in the maximum if Adam had stopped that. Amen. We would have never known anything about sin. We, never, we would have never known anything about lack or want. 
we would have never known anything about sickness and disease. We would have never known anything about sadness and sorrow. If Adam had only exercised the dominion and authority that God had given him. But he didn't. Amen, he didn't. And once again, it wasn't God's plan that failed. It was man's actions. Are you still here? All right, now listen to this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, as I just quoted, she did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So once again, he had the authority to stop that. But because he didn't and he was disobedient, then sin entered. And once again, sin literally means to miss the mark. So from that moment, Adam was incapable of living the lifestyle that God had originally designed for him to live. Why? Because sin caused him to miss the mark. Amen. Everything changed. The book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 says, Cursed is the ground. Thorns and thistles shall be brought forth in the sweat of thy face. The Amplified says the earth is cursed, is under a curse because of you, Adam. The earth is under a curse. So everything had changed. Later in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, God visits a man by the name of Noah and blesses him. But even though he was blessed and even though he walked with God, he still had limitations. He couldn't experience that kind of life that God had established for man in the beginning. Why? Because sin prevented it. That sin nature prevented it. But God was not finished. Hallelujah. He later introduced himself to a man by the name of Abram and promised to bless him in an attempt to show mankind what kind of life was available in the beginning. The, the, the blessing, Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessing of the old covenant, and it's referred to many times as the blessing of Abraham, it was like an umbrella of protection. And once again, the people were not capable of fulfilling the law. They weren't born again. Okay? And so that, that covenant provided an umbrella of protection. It was limited, but at least it gave them a glimpse of what could have been and what can be in the days ahead when Jesus comes. Amen. Genesis 12, 2, God blessed Abraham, empowered him to prosper. Genesis 13, 2, Abraham was rich in cattle, in gold and silver. So that blessing is working. Yet it still wasn't truly what, or totally what God had desired and wanted for humanity. Later, God reveals to Moses the law. In an attempt, once again, if thou shalt do this, then this is what will happen. Amen. But they couldn't fulfill the thou shalt. They were incapable of fulfilling the law. The only person under the Old Testament who completely fulfilled the law was Jesus. 
No other human being was capable of doing it. They could get to a certain level, and, and, and that's all they could do. But Jesus completely fulfilled the law. Amen. And the reason being is because he's on a mission. And his mission was to destroy the works of the devil and to restore back to man his original position and the life that God had originally designed for him. When Jesus came and he gave his life and he redeemed us, he also restored our ability to enter into the realm of the maximum. Hallelujah. Does that make anybody happy? Hallelujah. We can now enjoy what the Apostle Paul referred to as the fullness of the blessing. Yes. They lived under the Old Testament under a limited blessing. But we have the right to live under the fullness of the blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are now capable to live in the realm of the maximum. And we're also capable of reaching the highest level attainable, all because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? With dominion and authority, and with the blessing, and with seed, we can enter into that realm. And that's what it's going to take this year. If your 2023 is going to be a year for the maximum, and a year of achieving or, or experiencing the highest level attainable. You're going to have to use your dominion and authority. You're going to have to rely upon the blessing, and you're going to sow seed like never before. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord shouts. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 and 23, he says that he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, which is his body. God, through what Jesus did at Calvary, put all things under Jesus' feet and then gave him to be the head of the church or the body. And today, we are the body of Christ. Jesus didn't take all that authority to heaven. In fact, one of the last things he said to his disciples before entering the portals of heaven, behold, I give you power. I give you authority over all the enemy. Hallelujah. You lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Amen. You cast out devils. Any, any deadly thing that might come into your body will not harm you, praise God. What's he saying? I got the dominion and authority back, and now I'm giving it to you where it rightfully belongs. Somebody say, I just wish God would do something about this. Well, he's waiting on you to do something about it. You have the dominion. You have the authority. That's just like the apostle Paul when he... Uh, dealt with that thorn in the flesh. He said, I went to God three times, and I'm paraphrasing, get this thorn in the flesh off of me. And God responded each time, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. In other words, 
I'm not getting this off of you. I've given you the authority through the grace of God to do it yourself. Amen. And, and Paul finally grasped that and dealt with it, praise God. Amen. When are we going to grasp that? That we don't have to live under Satan's dominion. We don't have to live under his authority. His power has been broken. Amen. I love the way the book of Hebrews says that when Jesus came and destroyed the works of the devil, it says Jesus was highly exalted. And one translation says, and the devil was reduced to zero. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I've used this illustration before, and I might have used it here. <clears throat> but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again anyway. You know, in Mike Tyson's heyday, the baddest man on the planet, man, he's knocking everybody out. I went to see Tyson fight several times. Medlark Lemon and I, the famous Harlem Globetrotters. Medlark was a son in the Lord to me. I, I, uh, when he came to the Lord, uh, he asked me to mentor him. So he, he lived with Carol and I for a year where I could mentor him. And then he uh, entered into full-time ministry. And Medlark and I went to see Mike Tyson and Mike Speaks, Michael Speaks, fight. Man, the place was electric. I mean, the crowd, they're excited about this. And Medlark says to me, I am so thirsty. He said, I don't know if I can endure this fight. I'm so thirsty. I said, Medlark, you better not leave. This thing's about to start. He said, well, everybody's in there. Nobody's at the concession stand. I'll just run and get us a Coke, and I'll be right back. The fight started. 91 seconds later, it was over. And Manlark comes into the arena with two Cokes. Everybody's on their feet screaming. He said, what happened? I said, you missed the fight. It lasted 91 seconds. And I watched Spinks. Now, I, I used to go to all of these big championship matches. I, I had a friend who used to be a professional boxer. He was our Olympic hopeful uh, for the Bantamweight class in the Olympics when uh, Jimmy Carter was president. And Jimmy Carter boycotted the Olympics, so he didn't get to go. And this, this guy was considered as the one who would win the gold medal. But he didn't get to go, so he turned pro. And I met him about that time. And he invited me. He come to my meetings in California. He invited me to go to training camp with him. So I'd go to training camp with him, and when he wasn't training, <clears throat> I'd, I'd teach Bible to him. So in a short time, he won a world championship in that class. Then he decided to go up to another class, only five or six pounds heavier, but it makes a difference. These guys are bigger. They're more powerful. So he went up to this another class, only about six pounds heavier, and he fought a, a boy from from Corpus Christi, Texas, who was the champion. And that boy beat him up so bad, he wound up in the hospital and almost died. And uh, so anyway, he had to retire from boxing. Well, then he went to work for Bob Arum, the famous uh, promoter. So when he went to work for Bob Arum, he would call me and he'd say, there's a major 
major fight coming up. Are you home? I looked at Kelly. Yeah. He said, I got your ringside seats. Free. Sounds like God to me. So I would get to go to these major championship fights. And most of the time, I'd be sitting behind Muhammad Ali. And the camera always got on Ali and show the people watching, you know, Ali's in the stadium. And sometimes I'd be right behind him. I'd, I'd lean over, you know. In fact, when, who was it? Was it, no, it wasn't George. Anyway, uh, there was one fight that was coming on, and I had been in South Africa in Joburg and preaching in, in Ray McCauley's camp meeting. And after that camp meeting, I'm going home, and this big fight was coming on, major fight was coming on. Oh, I know which one it was. It was Roberta Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard in the, in the uh, Superdome in New Orleans, and I had ringside seats. I told Ray, I said, Ray, can you pick up that fight over here? He said, yeah, it comes on about 3 o'clock in the morning or something. I said, well, I'm going to be there. I've got a ringside seat. And I said, when they show the camera on Ali, I'll lean around him. I'll say, hey, Ray. <laughs> so he had a bunch of guys at his house. And they were all watching that fight. And here comes the camera on Ali. And I leaned around and said, hey, Ray. And Ray jumped up and said, that's Jerry. That's Jerry. <laughs> and then I called Ray. After the fight was over with, that's the fight where Duran quit. No moss fight. The place, the place went crazy. In fact, the best fights started when Duran quit. I mean, people are fighting in there. I mean, they got a lot of money going on this thing. You know, and when he quit, the place went crazy. The cops came in there with billy clubs beating on people. And I, I thought, dear Lord, this is dangerous. So I got up and I went up next to the ring apron and just watched all this fighting going on. And then I looked, and I'm standing next to Howard Cosell. Everybody hates Cosell. I thought, this is not a good place to be. <laughs> anyway, my point was that if somebody came to me and said, we'll give you $30 million to fight Mike Tyson, and we promise you He'll be already beat up before you get in the ring. I'm taking that. I'm signing that contract. Only if I know he's already been beat up. He's incapable of being the baddest man on the planet because he's already been beat up. I'm signing that contract. I'm making that $30 million. I think I can beat somebody that's already been beat up. Now, if they were lying to me and Tyson come in there with that look on his face, man, you never seen anybody run so fast in all your life as how I would run out of there. No, he ain't beat up yet. But if he's beat up and they, they had to carry him in the ring and set him in the corner and he can't even get out of the corner, I'm going to beat him up. I'm taking my 30 million. That's like when Evander Holyfield and, and Mike Tyson fought the first time. I, I was friends with Evander. I went to see Evander try out for the Olympics. I went to the Olympics in Los Angeles to watch Evander fight. And then I went to a lot of his fights and, and got to know him. And when Mike Tyson bit Evander's ear in that first fight they had, 
I, I didn't go to the fight, but I saw it on the big screen. I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I've been around boxing all my life. Never seen another boxer professional bite another one's ear. And after that, Evander was going with me to Tulsa, Oklahoma to do a meeting. I was going to have him give his testimony. And I picked him up in Atlanta in our plant, and I, I deliberately put Evander on the left side, took the front seats out where I gave him plenty of room. I sat on, the, on his right side so I could look at that ear. <laughs> Boy, as we say in Texas, Mike bit a chunk out of him. I mean, you know, you could, you could see where the part of that ear was missing. I said, Evander, what did you think when Tyson bit your ear? He said, it made me so mad. He said, I couldn't believe he bit my ear. He said, I wanted to bite him back. <laughs> he said, but I figured they'd probably disqualify him. And, and boy, his corner, Tyson's corner, it was, it was turmoil in that corner. And they finally let the fight continue. And Tyson bit him again. And, and, and Evander jumped up. He was so mad, he said, I wanted to kill the guy. He said, but then I stopped, and I turned to go back to my corner. I thought, surely they'll disqualify him now. And I went back to my corner, and I thought, that's the quickest 30 million I ever made in my life. I think I'll let him bite me again. You know? <laughs> if you can't beat somebody that's already been beat up, Satan has been reduced to zero. Jesus has already beat him up. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he stripped him of his authority and his power. Amen. Stripped him of his power and authority and then gave it back to a man where it rightfully belonged. We have dominion. We have authority. We have the blessing and we have seed. That is all it takes to live the maximum, to experience the highest level attainable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I think somebody ought to shout in here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Lift your right hand and say this with me. In the name of Jesus, I've been redeemed. I've been restored. I have dominion. I have authority. I have the blessing of God. And I have seed. And with these three, I am capable of living the abundant life, living in the realm of the maximum. And I can go to the highest level attainable. And I am not going to let the devil or people our religion, prevent me from getting there. I am on my way. Now, now do this. Here's what I like to do. Lift this hand and say what Jesus said to his disciples. Let us go to the other side. Hey. Come on, give the Lord another shout of praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen. Tonight, we're going to talk about seed. 
God gave man seed that he might determine his own destiny and his own outcome. And tonight I want to talk to you about never underestimate the power of a seed. Never underestimate the power of a seed. You don't want to miss it. Now, I'm going to ask you to, to pray about something. Carolyn and I learned a long time ago that when we received the prophetic word for the new year, first of all, we receive it by faith before we ever see it happen. We receive it by faith. And the next thing we do is we sow a significant seed toward the fulfillment of it. So the first thing we do is lift our hands and say, Lord, we receive that. We will live in the maximum. We will arrive at the highest level attainable. And to assure us of that, we're sowing our seed toward it, the fulfillment of it. See, what you do first matters to God. Don't wait say, well, as soon as I, I get into this abundance and this maximum, then I'm really going to sow. No, that's backwards. That's like walking up to the fireplace and saying, give me some heat and I will throw in some wood. <laughs> no, you throw in the wood first, then you get some heat. Yeah. Amen? So don't, don't wait. It's like a lot of people back home. I don't know if you use this phrase over here. A lot of people back home say, as soon as my ship comes in, I'm really going to give to God. And most people that say that never sent a ship out. They can't expect a ship to come back. So tonight, we're going to talk about never underestimate the power of a seed, and we're going to sow a significant seed toward the fulfillment of this prophetic word of 2023. Your assignment is pray this afternoon about the seed that you sow. Amen. Really give some thought to it, some prayer to it. Don't just, don't just, don't just come in here and just pluck a rand in the offering. I mean, if that's all you got, then that's significant. And God will honor it. Amen. That you know what you're, what you're believing for and you know what it'll take to get there. So get ready tonight. It's going to be, mm, mm, mm. I said, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to lay hands on everybody in here because the spirit of increase is on my life. Amen. Spirit of increase is on my life. I laid hands on 5,000 people at Mac Hammond's church after preaching along these lines. Laid hands on 5,000 people that night. Went home. And Mac called me a few days later and said, Brother Jerry, i got a testimony for you. Now, I'm not promising this for everybody in here, but this is what happened just a few days later. This man called Brother Mac's office and asked if he could meet with him. And he knew the man. The man and his family got saved in the church, filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew him well. He said, Brother Mac, I need to talk to you. I want to share with you what God just did. He came to the office. He said, Pastor Mac, when Brother Jerry laid hands on me and, and, and spoke over me supernatural increase, he said, I went home believing that God was going to make that happen some way. He said, and the Lord reminded me 
of some, uh, what would we call it, uh, some funds, uh, not trust funds, but investment stocks, yeah, some stocks that his parents had bought years ago, and they passed it on to him, and they had already died and gone to heaven. He said, I hadn't thought of those in years. He said, the Lord said, go get them. So he went and got them. And he said, now, take them to so and such and such place and sell them. And he did. And he said, and Brother Mac, here's my tithe from the sale of those stocks. And he held a check up and said, $1.2 million. That was his tithe. So what, if 10% represents the tithe, what kind of harvest did he get? $12 million. And notice the first thing he did was bring the tithe to the church. Now, most Christians, if they came into $12 million, you know what the church would get? A postcard from the Bahamas. I got mine. I wish you had yours. You're a faithful member. Now, the first thing that man did was bring the tithe to the church. I said, Mac, would you send me a copy of that so I can use it as a testimony? I said, you can block the name. I don't want to know the name. I don't want to know the address. Just, just block that out and, and send me a copy of it. And I took it, and I put it in my office in, my, in, in, in one of my uh, areas of study, and I put it on the wall. And I'd walk by there and say, God, I want something even better than a $1.2 million offering into my ministry. I want to be the one who gives $1.2 million. And I've done it. Hallelujah. And I've done it, praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm not promising you a harvest of $12 million, but God is the God of surprises. Who knows what he might do for you and you establishing these three biblical concepts. Dominion and authority, the blessing, and seed. Stand with me. Hallelujah. You get anything out of this today? Glory to God. Let's just lift our hands and bless the Lord. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your presence in this place. We thank you for revelation that you have imparted into each of us today. I'm praying that not one person came here today as a hearer only, but a doer of the word. And the book of James says, the doer of the word shall be blessed in his deeds. So fathers, we act upon these principles that you've revealed to us from your word. Then we fully expect to be blessed in all of our deeds. And Lord, we want you to know in advance, you can count on us whatever you have in store in the days ahead regarding our financial future. Then you can count on us. We will not hoard it up. We will not use it all on ourselves. We will consider continue to honor God with our substance. And your promise is our barns will be overflowing, never lacking. Hallelujah. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and give the Lord one more great shout.
Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give Brother Jerry a chance to just make his way to, to the back there, just otherwise he gets caught up and we have another service to go. Amen. Hallelujah. I know you all want to shake his hand, but it's rather better for him to put his hand on your head. <laughs> He's going to touch you all tonight. So don't worry about it. You'll get to touch him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I, it goes without saying that Brother Jerry and I don't talk about money or about seed. Uh, I don't tell him about what's going on in the finances of the church. He doesn't ask me. Uh, if, he's, if he's led of the Lord to come and take an offering tonight, that's not because of anything I told him or anything that he knows about or doesn't know about what's going on in the church. That's because God instructed him to do something for you so that there can be movement for you to go to the maximum and to the highest level attainable. So I just want you to understand this has got nothing to do between conversations between him and I. This is purely the Lord leading him in this way tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Well, I mean, uh, again, I have to say I'm so grateful that uh, 1996, so we're 27 years away. 1996, the Lord told me to be connected to Brother Jerry. And uh, I haven't left him since. And he hasn't left me since. And I uh, thank God that I, the Lord, you know, the way the word says, you, don't, you dance with the one who brung you. Uh, here I am, and here we are, and we're still dancing. We're still dancing together. Praise Jesus. Uh, and and, and what, how, how rich is our lives because we have this legacy in our, in our world. And uh, man, get ready for an explosion of young people. And uh, it's the young ones that are going to lead us into the place that we will go. Because uh, the older people get stuck. We, we, we get stuck. I don't get stuck. That's my conversation. It's my declaration. I'm not stuck in my old ways. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to move wherever God wants me to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just put your hand on your chest here like this and say, I am a son of God. Jesus lives in my heart. I love him. I serve him. I put him first place. I honor him. He is my Lord and Savior. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've never been saved or born again, and you did that, and you believe that with your heart, and you've just spoken that with your mouth, today you changed. Today, Jesus is the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. And if you have done that, well, it's good to confirm how you serve him and love him and honor him anyway. Hallelujah. I thank you for coming to church today. May your afternoon be blessed. May you walk in peace. May you walk in joy. May you have the fullness of God resting upon you. May the healing, of power, healing power of God even continue to flow through your body 
and bring restoration wherever you need restoration in your body tonight. Relationships are taking a turn. Relationships are coming back and being better and better than ever before. God is bringing all things new to us, and we are taking authority because we can. And we're sowing seed because we have the blessing of God to do that. So we can live the higher life and the maximum life. Enjoy your lunch, and we'll see you this evening. Hallelujah. Bring your wonderful selves to church tonight. Amen. Bye-bye, everybody.